Hello guys, welcome back. Happy New Year's. Welcome 2019. All that great, wonderful stuff. Um, you know, it's going to be another great year and that's really all thanks to you guys. So, so thank you. <laughs> but essentially, really excited and, um, you know, I hope basically that 2019 is finding you all uh, with a great start. Um, I know for myself so far, amazing, but extremely hectic. My God, I hope it slows down a little bit. Um, but, um, as I was saying, you know, we have a very exciting year planned. Um, but I felt, you know what, 2019 time to start with a classic one that I, I you know what, I, I never really dived into before and it was truly an, an exciting ride, but, um, you know, it basically looking at Decky, you know, the past century and each decade individually, you can really see the monsters, you know, they have their period and they have their their fame. Um, but truly, I feel, you know what, that there's one monster that keeps rearing its ugly head up. Um, <clears throat> and that one, that's the zombie. It is truly, at this moment and previous, it is the time of the zombie. I mean, they are everywhere. Um, and realistically, we owe that to the brilliance of George A. Romero. So, um you guys know my podcast and we've already talked about Night of the Living Dead. So if that doesn't give it away, um, that's right. We're going to talk about Dawn of the Dead. So before we dive any further, let's quickly listen to the trailer. In 1968, George Romero brought us Night of the Living Dead. It became the classic horror film of its time. Not that room, not that room! George Romero brings us the most intensely shocking motion picture experience for all times. It gets up and kills. The people it kills get up and kill. This situation must be controlled before it's too late. They are multiplying too rapidly. Dawn of the Dead. Meet me on the roof at 9 o'clock. Get yeah. out. I don't believe We're it. We're going to get out in the chopper. We've got to survive. Somebody's got to survive. They kill for one reason. They kill for food. They eat their victims. Imagine, if you will, that something has gone terribly wrong. Shooting man. Now, accept the fact that there's no escaping the horrible consequences. George Romero brings back the dead. Night of the Living Dead has ended. Dawn of the Dead is here. We must not be lulled by the concept that these are our family members or our friends. They are not. They will not respond to such emotions. Operator dead. Post abandoned. You need to get out of the room. It's everywhere. What the hell is it? Looks like a shopping center. One of those big indoor malls. What are they doing? Why do they come here? Some kind of instinct, memory, what they used to do. This was an important place in their lives. down to the line folks we are 
down to the line. Dawn of the Dead. So, kind of a neat trailer there, just because it combined two. <laughs> but um, essentially, you know, and I gotta say, gotta love it when the trailer fucking summarizes my whole goddamn podcast. <laughs> but um, yeah, literally even gave you the artistic view of what the movie is supposed to represent. Not just zombies, um, but uh, essentially, this film, you know, looking at it now in comparison to especially even the remake, it's, it's kind of cheesy, but it it literally broke so many barriers. Um, and essentially, I mean, even when you see the trailer, it ends, you know, just quickly with the words, you know, there's no explicit sex in this picture, but however, there are scenes of violence that could be considered shocking and essentially we'll talk about it, but this was given an X rating, you know, 17 and over, no way you were getting into that theater. So, um, you know, talking about zombies, that question that all of us think about, and I'm sure we've all perhaps even fantasized about, um, bizarrely enough. But, uh, you know, do you think you could survive it? I know I've definitely had that talk with friends and even my own personal thought of what I would do in my own zombie apocalypse plan. Um, I'd love to hear your guys. If you have something, you know, definitely reach out to me and let me know. But uh, it's, um, you know, definitely a unique idea of the world completely collapsing. Um, And essentially we owe the entire template of this to George A. Romero. I mean, he laid this all out in Night of the Living Dead. Um, and if you want to know more, listen to my previous podcast. <laughs> but, uh, um, oh, great podcast. Sorry. Um, he was back to it. But essentially, this is, you know, he came up with the entire concept. You shoot them in the head to kill them. They replicate by eating you and essentially, you know, you come back from the dead uh, and so forth. Um, And because previously to this, it's a zombie essentially is just a a cheap form of slave labor going between the 30s and 40s. So essentially once, you know, we get into the night of the living dead and you, you know, talking to people who went to the theater who were young enough um, and fortunate enough to go to the theater to see this, you know, you were sent by your parents expecting it to be just a cheesy film. And it, it was ended up pushing the envelope and literally made you sick. So, with Night of the Living Dead being held to such a uh, standard, you know, Dawn of the Dead had to come in there with both hands up, ready to literally deliver one of the most insane films. Um, And essentially, you know, they're trying to top this unbelievable film. I mean, Night of the Living Dead, I really hold this film as top regard. But essentially, um, you know, the sequel went above and beyond that with a mix of horror, satire, and just unbelievable outrageous special effects so um i mean to me this is one of the greatest zombie films of all time um and it's just a rare nightmare that you just you almost don't mind wanting to be in i mean haven't you guys thought of like going to the mall and being locked in there you know and to survive out that kind of ordeal it's almost seems fun um but essentially looking at this film um it's it's something else and we're gonna definitely break down these quick thoughts of mine um you know and essentially you know starting off the world is falling apart so you know we're it's hard to give a timeline essentially um I mean from what I was basically able to pick up they're saying it's about 
couple weeks in. Um, and essentially, the United States is devastated by a mysterious phenomenon that reanimates dead, dead human beings. Um, and this beginning bit, uh, if you haven't seen it, is a lot of like almost like real footage, kind of U.S. government, local authorities. How do we control the situation? You know, bickering back and forth. Um, and it, it's almost very real, docu- documentary style, and very not quite raw, but. Um, it hits home. You're literally like absorbed going, okay, what the hell's going on? Like, what do I do? Um, and then it cuts, you know, kind of our, to our characters of, um, uh, Francine and Steven planning to essentially steal their station. They work for a new station helicopter and escape the city. And then meanwhile, we really quick edits here. We're cut to all of a sudden these SWAT officers raging a house, um, who are about to raid a housing project. And one of the most obscene little blurbs in there of, insane racism considering that you know there's zombies all around you like are you freaking kidding me um but uh, essentially you know this scene is trying to show you you know the effects of the zombie apocalypse in poverty um well for the the impoverished uh it's truly upsetting and very violent this was you know a poor lady she thinks it's her husband zombie husband totally rips her shoulder out and got to give Tom Savini a special effects credit there. And we'll get into that in a little bit. But flipping brilliant. Um, but at the same time, you know, this goes to show you what these guys were trying to, you know, it, it, for the people who were truly poor, what they were trying to do and how that differed, um, you know, from the middle and upper class. Um, and essentially from this kind of ties into our story as essentially um, during this entire raid, Roger ends up meeting Peter and, you know, from another SWAT team, they partner up together and all together they end up stealing the workplace helicopter and fleeing and they get Peter to come with them and, you know, so on and so forth. So it's kind of how our characters all tie together. So that night, Roger and Peter rendezvous with Francine and Steven and leave Philadelphia in the helicopter. Following some close calls, fuel, blah, blah, blah. You know, we kind of see this back and forth. Eventually they decide, um, you know, looking at how the world's falling apart, they need to find a place to, you know, set up a barrier. Um, and once they get into the mall, um, and that whole scene of, you know, wiping out the zombies with the guns um, to the mall music. It, just such Italian um, features there. So I had to look into that a little bit um, and essentially was very surprised to find out that one of my favorites, Dario Argento, actually helped collaborate with uh, Giorgio Romero on this. And the two of them, um, you know, basically kind of came up with the idea in the script. Um, and we'll talk a little bit more about this coming up, but essentially um, Argento was a huge fan and he wanted, you know, to help out when he heard about the sequel and so he was right on board <clears throat> now uh as i was saying with the uh, the plot of the film we're into the mall um you know and it's just it almost becomes fun at this point once they kind of set up their little home base you know it's you know they they get to enjoy all the mall's many commodities and as i said haven't we all dreamed of this this has got to be like the, the ideal zombie apocalypse situation um so several months pass um you know all emergency broadcast broadcast transmissions cease some of the most 
iconic lines are in these parts, you know, when all, when hell is overrun, you know, the, the dead will walk the earth and so forth. Um, a lot of this part, these parts will be replicated in the sequel and, um, a lot of imagery, uh, with some of the like sort of priests, well, not priests, but reverend like sermons. Um, and essentially during this time we discover, you know, they're kind of coming up with ideas of how to prep leaving them all getting, you know, sorted out how they would do this. And with Francine now visibly showing her pregnancy, you know, they essentially really want to get on the road. And Francine then decides that she needs to learn how to operate the helicopter in case of an emergency. So we go through a whole scene, um, some uh, motorcyclists seeing the helicopter, one of her frying lessons, and then they try to get down the barriers. So there's a few kind of a, this foolish gun battle back and forth. And then, you know, they try to flee the apartment and a whole lot of drama and chaos, um, through this scene. Um, and the false wall kind of covering the stairwell, you know, leads to the, un leads the undead Sally to Francine and Peter. And as Stephen enters the hideout, Peter kills him while Francine escapes to the roof. Peter then locks himself in a room and contemplates suicide while the zombies burst in and he has a change of heart and fights his way up to join Francine where the two of them fly away in a partially fueled helicopter to an uncertain future. Um, so really unique film. Um, I loved that it like picked up and just was like hit you hard, you know, in the gut thinking what the hell is going to happen? Um, and, you know, just kept that kind of pace up but then all of a sudden kind of switched to this sort of fun, lighthearted, you know, friends at a mall. That's almost what it felt like. Like almost this like 16 Candles, John Hughes sort of realm. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh shit, that's right. We're, you know, there's zombies everywhere. So, you know, as I said, Night of the Living Dead is one of my favorites, but this is definitely a close second. Um, it's going to definitely hold a special place in my heart due to its unbelievable special effects um some really incredible kills like that helicopter scene and the zombies coming up like you kind of know something's up because the head's really tall but it's just as the blades go and just as the head just sort of lops away um as i said cool plot you know it's not doesn't follow your traditional sort of zombie apocalypse abcd and the characters you know they really bring you along for a really unique ride and um essentially you know this film is truly a unique allegory for the nature of humanity um, and just us as human beings <clears throat> so the cast unbelievably great you know a lot of cool little uh cameos and if you are into you know actors of the 70s realm I don't know them very well, so I'm not going to dive in um, like I usually do on recognizing anyone from previous films. I definitely could say that there was a couple times that I was like, oh, that guy looks familiar, but it wasn't a big, you know, overwhelming urge. So I'm sure that they are truly, uh, you know, great actors of the 70s realm because they definitely brought a great movie here. Um, but perhaps that would also Romero because that man, you know, he knew what he was doing. So uh, like I said, the history of this film began in 1974. Um, but well, I shouldn't say like I said, um, but essentially this film began in 1974 when Romero and his friend were invited, um, you know, to another friend's place and kind of got chatting and essentially um 
this friend uh, that they went to visit was um, able to show them sort of hidden areas of a mall because he was a, a manager of a local company. And Romero being shown the hidden part of the mall, um, you know, noted the bliss of some of the consumers um, and essentially, you know, kind of watching them on the security camera and just all that. So you could tell the hamster was on the wheel at this point. And then at this, their friend Mason joked, you know, if there was ever a situation, an emergency, you know, you could really survive for long term in the mall and a seed was planted. So began the script. So, um, as I said, you know, the Italian horror director, Dario Argento, a fan of Night of the Living Dead, you know, and an early critic of the film in a good way, um, was eager to help the horror classic receive a sequel. Um, he met with Romero in uh, Rubenstein, hoping to secure financing in exchange for international distribution rights. And Argento invited Romero to Rome so they could have a chance uh, or a change of scenery while writing the screenplay. The two also discuss uh, plot developments, um, you know, and kind of how things would go. And you could see, you could, if you know Argento's films, you can see his implements throughout. <clears throat> so um, filming uh, and principal photography began November 13, 1977 in a mall in November. And as we all just survived it, we know what rolls out in November. It's flipping Christmas time. So, um, you know, they were actually trying to use an open mall during the Christmas season. Um, and this caused numerous time constraints. So uh, they tried to begin filming overnight between 11 and 7. But essentially... You know, it's December, those Christmas decorations went up, and then they were spending hours trying to take it back down and put it back up. So all they decided at this point, shut it down, and, you know, and we'll continue once the Christmas season passes. So essentially, they started in on January 3rd of 1978. And I just thought that was really ironic, because December 23rd, I found myself watching this film, wrapping my own Christmas presents. So I just thought that was truly kind of funny timeline-wise. Um, but also at the same time for a film that truly talks about, you know, human nature and our, you know, just how we return to old habits um, and just the consumer society that we live in. It, it was just ironic to be wrapping presents. <laughs> it just felt weird. Um, but uh Yeah. Essentially, getting back into it, the principal photography would end in on uh, in February of seventy eight, um, and the pr uh, process of editing would begin. And during the filming, um, Romero used several different angles, so you can see this in a lot of the kill scenes. <laughs> but he'll use many different cuts of the same kill scene, especially the head explosion in the beginning. And it's like. Choo, 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 choo all these different scenes coming together and different cuts and gives you a really unique view. It's really cool. Um, and personally, I just thought it was really neat. It's, you know, so kind of over the top. Um, so, uh, and the, basically, Loya, the amount of, uh, I call it super flucious footage is evidence in, um, in some of the other international cuts. And we'll get into that because um, essentially to get Argento on board, Romero signed over the editing uh, for the international film. So that's why you see so many different cuts, especially when you look at the international basis, because Argento was playing around with the international markets. Um, so I didn't realize, but there is an alternative ending where actually a couple, they thought about doing like suicides and, you know, P Peter and Francine basically killing themselves. Um, it's kind of crazy. Um, so I, I'm kind of glad they went with 
what they did, sort of that open ending. Now, as I said, the special effects makeup, Tom Savini, this guy is incredible. Um, and this really is one of his, uh, you know, what's uh, like just gold medal, incredible work. Um, I mean, he was quoted in saying that this was essentially Halloween every day for three months in a shopping mall. They had so much fun doing this. Um, and if you guys don't know horror, which I hope you do if you're listening, he is responsible for some of the most incredible deaths um, in coming up with that. And I almost want to do an episode on Tom Savini altogether because his history and his story is so unique um, all in itself. A man who, who truly knows death. <clears throat> now, um, it, it, during uh, this film, he is attributed for essentially 80% of the kills. It's him and his team coming up with these ideas and they would approach Romero and say, what do you think? And he'd say, yeah, that sounds great. Let's do it. So they would get on board um, with that and basically roll that out. One of which um, an example is the screwdriver to the ear death scene. Um, That is Savini and his team, you know, and just what they, uh, what they could come up with. So, um, the music, as as I said earlier, you know, we have uh, Argento's, um, you know, his hand is in this. So you can kind of feel the uh, essence of the Italian um, music uh, influence and not so much goblin-esque, but, um, you know, it's definitely, there's just some bizarre music choices, which, you know, is not Romero's style. So I just, I knew this is totally Argento's, Argento's doing. So, um, as I was saying, you know, this received no, a number of recuts and re-edits, um, and this is totally Argento's rights to, because, well, he had mostly, this is due mostly to his, uh, right to edit the film for the international foreign language release. Um, the one I saw, and I'm sure you and, uh, those, a majority of you listening have seen, um, the English cut, which was Romero's doing, um, and, Sadly, you know, this film was so taboo, it received an X rating, which, you know, is basically only held for those that are almost negotiable as porno titles. So, um, pretty insane. And especially when you look at the graphic violence, I use that in full quotations, because this violence almost seems campy. It doesn't seem accurate. But for 1978, you had to pull yourself back to that time. This was some totally unheard of and you know, truly disgusting. So those who were willing to watch it, you know, were basically obscene, you know, horrible people in society. So um, reception-wise, this is considered one of Romero's, you know, best. For me, it's going to, like I said, close second to Night of the Living Dead. That film is just perfect in all always but essentially you know this one's still holding a very um very high review with rotten tomatoes at 93 percent um you know in an 8.6 out of 10 uh review rating that's a really great average so um you know basically some of the um reviews you know this is one of the most compelling and entertaining zombie films of all time uh it perfectly blends pure horror and gore with social commentary on on our material society with roger ebert calling it in giving it four um four to four stars and proclaimed it one of the best horror films ever made so when this movie came out and 
it, you know, it, it basically was the most intensely shocking motion picture experience of all time. So it grossed only about, you know, 900,000 on its opening weekend, estimated about 5 million, um, which would be about 17 million by today's standards. Um, but at this point, this is considered a cult classic with a gross revenue worldwide of 55 million, um, you know, for the film itself. And to go down in cult classic history is, you know, a, a, an award all in its own. So, um, now, as I was saying, some of the reviews were great. Some of them, not so much. Uh, the New York Times critic Janet Maslin uh, claimed she walked out about 15 minutes into the film uh, claiming a pet peeve about flesh-eating zombies who never stop snacking. Um, you know, essentially kind of got to know what you're getting into, but some of the, you know, for everyone, this isn't, you know, everyone's cup of tea. So it, it was an interesting to see the both sides of things, but, um, essentially I couldn't really find one that looked at both Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead. Um, and it, it's an interesting sequel, um, and tie-in, uh, considering, but, they're, you know, definitely two unique films altogether. And as I said, this film sits as one of the top 50 cult films of all time with Entertainment Weekly. So, um, oh, and it's also considered 15 sequels that are way better than the originals, but I debate that. So this film has been released, re-released over and over. We're looking at VHS, Laserdisc, DVD, Blu-ray, 4K, Ultra HD format. If you have a home media center, you can pretty much view this movie how you wish. Uh, just got to try to find it because I honestly don't know if you could ever find a laser disc of this film. Um, but, you know, keep an eye out. And if you do, show me a picture because I think that'd be really cool. So, as I said, there was a remake. Um, that would definitely be my first introduction to the Romero um uh, universe was this particular remake Zack Snyder's 2004 directorial debut with Sarah Poli, Ving Rhames, um, you know, Jake Weber. Um, and I remember loving it. Uh, I thought it was great. Um, and I remember sneaking into the theater in my youth to see this film. Um, but essentially after you see the original, it's, it's just the groundwork that they laid for this. For this film, it was just, well, ugh, sorry, what I'm basically trying to say is the original, you know, had, be, the original was so good that this remake, you can just see it's just a homage to that. It's just trying to pay credit where credit was due. So that's probably why I, I still like the remake um, as well, even after seeing the original. And I did not know, apparently there is a book for this, or Romero and Susan Sparrow kind of did a paperback book based on the film in 78. So I'm going to try to keep an eye out for it because um, apparently it does have a new introduction by Simon Pegg. Um, so I definitely have to read that because I think Simon Pegg is adorable and just altogether awesome. Um, so as I said, Dawn of the Dead, you know, is really one of those quintessential horror films. If you haven't seen it, you definitely should. Uh, and it has been replicated over definitely tried to be done and done again but nothing will hold the candle to the original and I guess you know to um as they say to uh you know essentially copy is a compliment all in itself can't remember the saying off the top of my head um so those of you that do you know try to um 
to show your homage to Romero, remember this guy, you know, truly is brilliant because he just came up with basically a a, a lore that will will f- live on for the forever as long as humankind's around and we continue to love zombies, you know, the groundwork has been laid and it's Romero all the way. So, um, as I said, you know, this film is a look at the consumer society that we live in. Um, and, you know, kind of gives you a view of human nature from just the small interactions to the small caring things that we can do for each other to the truly horrible, violent creatures that we can be. Um, and it's just altogether great. I, I really liked it. I'd give it an eight out of 10, nine out of 10. So guys, thank you all for listening. Um, you know, you guys are what makes this so much fun. I'm so happy to have you guys listening. You, you know, from the bottom of my heart, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, and uh, if you want to be even cooler and really, really make my day, definitely put together a review on iTunes wherever you can, however you can. Um, essentially, every review that you do helps make sure that this podcast gets bumped up more and more so more people can hear my annoying voice um and that just means a lot to me uh as always guys say hi to me on social media you know if you have a suggestion you want me to cover a movie you want me to cover a topic reach out to me i love to hear from you even if you want to say hi and as always guys um you know keep calm stay creepy